Well, congratulations, you guys. I was just thinking about how is it possible it was 40 years ago that was where you guys are. I've, I've, our 40 high school reunions this summer. If I go back to Holdridge, I get a ride in a parade as a part of Swedish days in uh, Holdridge. So I think I will go, actually. So. Well, I read this uh, quote this week. It goes like this. It says, the choice... For the church in every age will always be, will our identity be shaped by scripture or by our culture, by the biblical story or by our cultural story? And of course, what is true of what shapes us as a church is true of us as individual believers as well. What will shape us? Will be the culture or will it be the scriptures? You know, our cultural story tells us that everything is relative, right? That there isn't one truth that stands above all else. Everything's sort of equal. Everything has equal weight. Our cultural story tells us that truth is something that we get to decide for ourselves, right? You have your truth, I'll have my truth, we all can decide, it'll be fine. In fact, our cultural story tells us if, if we claim that Jesus is in some way unique and the one true way to God that we are intolerant to hold to such a view. And the reality is with like the drip, drip, drip of this kind of thinking, um, it can affect us. It can cause us to be kind of our confidence in the scriptures to be eroded. It can become disorienting. We can become confused regarding how we should think about our faith, about Jesus Christ, about salvation, about how we are to live in this world. And so I ask you, what is shaping you? Make no mistake, you are being shaped. You are being shaped. But what is shaping you? Starting today, we're going to, as, as uh, Logan mentioned, we're going to do this study through the, the book of Colossians, um, which is incredibly relevant for our day, just as it was when Paul originally wrote this. In this letter, Paul lays out a strong argument for what must shape us, and that is the gospel of Jesus Christ. He'll articulate that there is only one source of truth, and that's not you, that's not me, it's certainly not our culture. It's Jesus Christ. And so in this letter, Paul will focus on the person and the work and the benefits of Christ, helping us to get clear or stay clear so that we can stand strong in what we believe, so that we can understand how we are to live in this world. Today, we're going to look at the first eight verses. Before we do, I want to give you just a little bit of background on this book. It's helpful as we, as we will study this to just know a little bit about the, the background. And so Paul writes this. He writes from prison. There's a lot of discussion about where um, many think he probably was in Rome at the time when he wrote this from prison. Obviously, it's a letter to believers in a place called Colossae. And uh, that was a town that uh, was located in what's what current, you know, modern-day Turkey. And it's about 100 miles south and east of Ephesus. And Acts describes how Paul uh, sort of set up and ministered out of the, the city of Ephesus for 
two to three years. And uh, there's actually a statement in Acts 10, 19 that tells us that all who lived in Asia heard the word of the Lord, both Jews and Greeks. That, that's a statement from when Paul was ministering in Ephesus. And so um, scholars believe that Epaphras uh, encountered the gospel through Paul's ministry in Ephesus. Epaphras is the one that took it back to his hometown of Colossae and uh, established a church there as well as nearby towns, uh, Laodicea and Hierapolis. At some point, Epaphras travels from Colossae to Rome to give Paul a report on what is going on at the church, and, and he certainly brings much good news. I mean, there's a lot of things to be encouraged by, but he also brings news of some kind of troubling teaching that is uh, making some inroads in the Colossian church, and uh, scholars don't necessarily agree on the nature of this teaching. It, it, from the, as you read through Colossians, uh, it does seem to have Jewish elements, some kind of Jewish uh, legalism to it. There's sort of some mystical things. It's just sort of this uh, syncretic, you know, just mix up of a whole bunch of different things. But what we do know is it, it clearly was trying to undermine the supremacy and the sufficiency of Christ. It was a teaching that was suggesting you need something more than Jesus. And so Paul writes this letter to confront this false teaching and to keep the Colossians firmly rooted in Christ. He wrote this letter to remind them that they have everything in Christ. And it's the same, it serves the same purpose in our lives as well, to keep us firmly rooted in Christ, to remind us that we have everything in Christ, Christ in everything. So with that bit of background, we're taking a really kind of a quick look at this, uh, these first eight verses today as sort of an introduction. Um, it's a letter, and so Paul begins with this greeting. He says, Paul, an apostle of Christ Jesus by the will of God, and Timothy, our brother. And uh, sometimes we read these introductory things and we kind of skim over them, missing the meaning, but, but it matters. Like he, Paul writes as an apostle. He's just not a... One guy with a good opinion, you know, offering his best thoughts. He writes with the authority of Christ. He is called as an apostle. He is a spokesperson for Christ. He says, by the will of God. And so his words were authoritative to them. His words are authoritative in our lives as well. He sends greetings also from Timothy, one of his disciples who accompanied him on his missionary journeys. And Paul writes, he says, to the saints and faithful brothers and sisters in Christ who are at Colossae, grace to you and peace from God our Father. And so he identifies the recipients. He calls them saints. He calls them saints. And Paul uses this a little different than how we tend to use it in, in our day. We, we might call someone a saint in the sense that, man, so-and-so did this really good thing. Like, he's a saint. She's a saint. And, and we, we are speaking about kind of the their character, their, their moral character, kind of where they're at. Paul is not speaking about moral attainments here. He's talking about their status before God in Christ. He's calling them God's holy people, God's set-apart people. Uh, and so it's not a statement of kind of moral attainments. It's a statement he makes of every believer in Jesus Christ. If you are a believer in Jesus Christ, Paul says you're a saint. You're set apart to God. That's your status in Christ. He calls them faithful brothers and sisters. And so this is not just a random group. Uh, it's not a community organization he's writing to. 
Yet there in Colossae, this is a family. This is brothers and sisters. They are a spiritual family. And the report that he's heard is that they are faithful to the gospel they've received. Yes, there's a threat. This false teaching he's going to address, but he affirms here their faithfulness. And he expresses their desire that they would experience grace and peace from the Father, even in the midst of some troubling things in terms of some of his teaching, may they experience grace from the Father. May they experience peace from the Father. So we come to verse 3 then. Paul enters into kind of this prayer, this prayer of thanksgiving. And uh, really, verse 3 through 14, it all hangs together. This morning, we're just going to look at the verses 1 through 8. Next week, Sam will look at 9 through 14. We just don't have time to look at the whole thing this morning. Um, so today we're going to look at the Thanksgiving portion. Next week uh, we'll look at the kind of how he prays for them. But in the verses we're looking at, Paul gives thanks to God for the Colossians' faith and their love born out of the gospel's work in their life. So look at verse 3. It says, We give thanks to God, the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, praying always for you, since we heard of your faith in Christ Jesus and the love which you have for all the saints. So remember, Paul has not met this group of believers, and yet he prays consistently for them. He prays regularly for them. I'm a little bit challenged by that. I don't know how you are in your prayer life and praying for people, but I mean, there's important people in my life that I see regularly, I encounter regularly, and sometimes I have a very difficult time to describe my prayers as being consistent and regular for them. And so, uh, and yet Paul, here he is. He, he just, he prays for them regularly, consistently, uh, though he had not met them. And when he does, uh, he, his heart is filled with thanksgiving for what the gospel has done in their lives. Paul says he's prayed for them since he heard the report from Epaphras. Epaphras comes, brings us a report about the Colossians' faith in Christ Jesus and their love for all the, the saints. And so Paul gives thanks for that. Paul's passion was to see the gospel spread, to come to all people, and for it to be established and to take root in their life. And the fact that they had faith and love is evidence of that. They had faith in Christ Jesus, so he gives thanks. But he also gives thanks that they had love for one another. And, and love is, is uh, I mean, it's a, it's a mark of maturity. It's, it's evidence that the Spirit of God was at work in their lives because love is a fruit of the Spirit, right? And so to, to say they have love for all the saints is, is demonstration that the Spirit of God is at work in them. Later in Colossians, Paul will call love the perfect bond of unity. And so he's wanting them to walk as a family in unity. Um, love matters a lot, and they have love for all the saints. And so Paul's heart is filled with thanksgiving to God for this good report. Here's what I think he was experiencing. A week ago, uh, well, many of you know that Cindy and I in the mid-90s, uh, we spent a year living and ministering in Hungary, and uh, uh, had a great time there. And uh, one of the guys that I uh, got to know the best was a guy named Francik uh, Ferenc. And uh, um, Ferenc and I, we have... Over the years, I've uh, stayed in touch mostly through email. One, uh, one good thing when uh, COVID came along and Zoom became a thing, it was like, hey, we could actually talk to each other face-to-face through a Zoom call. And so we've done that a couple times and uh, just did that a week ago uh, Saturday. And uh, he had a couple of his children on there with us, uh, high school, middle school age kids. And, uh, 
If you know your geography, you know that Hungary borders the Ukraine. And so I was very interested just to know what that experience has been like for him and his family. Um, how are they experiencing that? And so he talked a little bit about that, talked about some other things that they have been experiencing in, in Hungary and uh, some other things that were challenging. And I don't remember exactly how he said it, but at some point in the conversation, he just he, he said something and talked about his faith in Jesus and his trust in Jesus. And... Um, you know, when you haven't seen someone, it's probably been 20 years since I've seen him, and you have these little email exchanges. But to hear of a friend who you haven't seen for a really long time, who's, who's still faithful and seeking Jesus, I mean, my heart just welled up with thanksgiving to God. I think that's what Paul is experiencing here. Uh, obviously, they didn't have immediate communication like we do. And, and so Paul gets this report from Epaphras, and to hear of this church that's been established there in, uh, in Asia Minor and that, that, that they, they, they are following Jesus, that they, they have faith and they have love for all the saints. He has this thanksgiving that wells up in his heart because it's a sign of God's activity there. So he gives thanks. As we come to verse 5, Paul talks about the source of their faith and the love that he gets th- gives thanks for. He says it's because of the hope reserved for you in heaven, of which you previously heard in the word of truth, the gospel. So they'd heard this word of truth, the gospel, and it was all about this hope that's reserved for them in heaven. It's out of that then that they had faith, and, and they were expressing this love. Now, when he talks about hope reserved for you in heaven, sometimes when Paul talks about hope, it can be an attitude of hope, that, that we are, there's a sense of, hopeful certainty about certain things, but he's actually talking here about hope in the sense of it's the object that they hope in, and it's because he specifically says it's hope reserved in heaven. In other words, God is the, the actor there. God is the one that's reserving this hope, and so they, they have this hope, this thing that they look forward to. God's reserving it, and, but they will only experience the fullness of that hope in the life to come, but it's that hope that is the groundspring of, ha- of faith and love in their lives. And he says, it's the hope that you'd previously heard in the word of truth, the gospel. And he's, so he's referring to the gospel that came when, when Epaphras brought the gospel to them. And so it's, it's truth. The gospel is the word of truth. It's reliable. It can be depended upon. That's the thing that needed to be shaping them, to, to shape them, not this false teaching that he's going to address this gospel, this word of truth is what needs to shape us as well. Now, as Paul moves through this prayer, um, the, the gospel, the source of hope, it really becomes the focus in the remainder of the verses that we're going to look at today. He highlights the transforming power of the gospel. And so Paul writes that, that the gospel, verse 6, which has come to you, just as in all the world also, it is bearing fruit and increasing even as it has been doing in you also since the day you heard it and understood the grace of God in truth. And so he says the gospel was bearing fruit. It was increasing. It was doing that in their lives, right? The moment they understood, the moment they believed, the gospel of Christ began to change their lives. But it didn't just do this in Colossae. He says it's doing it in all the world, it's doing it in all the world. This, this, this gospel is powerful everywhere it goes. It's not that it's just effective in a, 
Jewish context or a, a Gentile context or with this group of people or that group of people. He's saying it does this everywhere it goes because it's the truth. This hope of the gospel, it's the truth. And this is important in a context where the Colossians were being tempted to look for something else. He's reminding them that this gospel, the truth, it's transforming people everywhere it goes. They don't need to look beyond Christ for their ultimate spiritual fulfillment or for growth. He declares it's not needed. Everything is found in Christ. And that's important for us to hear as well. Our culture is offering us all sorts of things outside of Christ and beyond Christ that are the real answers for spiritual fulfillment, for growth, for joy, for peace. And we can be tempted to pursue some of those things, but the hope is found in the gospel. That's what transforms. We have everything in Christ. Paul summarizes this powerful, transforming gospel by calling it what? He calls it grace, the grace of God that you have truly understood from first to last. It's all about grace. We can't earn it. We can't deserve it. It's all gift. And, and, and the, they truly had believed this message of grace. And when they did, it began its transforming, fruit-bearing work in their lives, producing faith, producing love. Finally, in this expression of thanksgiving, he talks about the role of Epaphras. He says, just as you learned it from Epaphras, our beloved fellow bondservant, who's a faithful servant of Christ on our behalf. And so there's a sense that Paul has responsibility as an apostle, even though he's not been there. Epaphras is a faithful servant of Christ on our behalf, and he's also informed us of your love in the Spirit. And so they learned the gospel from Epaphras, and it was Epaphras now who carried back this message to Paul in prison about the Colossians and how they were doing and the threat that they were facing. So that's the passage. Paul gives thanks to God for the Colossians. They had learned the gospel from Epaphras. They had believed in the moment they did. It began its work in their lives, producing faith and love, this, this, this gospel that produces hope. When you consider the, the flow of Paul's thoughts here, the focus really is on, it's really not on the Colossians, it's on the gospel. It's not on the Colossians, really it's about Christ. He writes this letter because there's some kind of false teaching. There's something that's seeking to take them away from being rooted in Christ. There's something that's trying to help them, cause them to say, I need Christ and this but he's focusing on the gospel. And, and, and his, his point is that, that everything they need is in Christ. Nothing else is needed. And that's incredibly relevant for our day as well. We need to remember that the gospel is where we find truth. And so this morning as we start, I'm not gonna get real specific in terms of application, but I would invite you as, as we launch into this series to ask God to give you a deep understanding of the gospel, a deeper understanding of the gospel, that you would be reminded or maybe you would learn anew about the truth of the gospel, that you have everything in Christ. Ask God that you would be captivated once again by Christ and all that he offers. Make no mistake, you are being shaped.
We have all sorts of stuff that's coming to us, right? 24-7, all sorts of things. By the things we read, by the things we take into our lives, what is shaping you? You know, we just had this season of seeking, and uh, our hope in, in, in this season of seeking and doing something like that is like, like well, well, there was a time where I kind of sought Christ, but now we're kind of moving on, and I'm going to get a little uh, relaxed. Uh, we need to keep seeking Christ because that's where truth is found. And, and, and if we're not, then something else is shaping us. And so my encouragement to us as we begin this is that you would just call out to God, God, help me truly be shaped and formed by the gospel. Help me truly allow it to be the final authority in my life in all matters, not culture, not anything else. God, help me to be firmly rooted in this gospel that transforms. Today we're celebrating the Lord's table, and uh, I'm thankful that Jesus established this celebration that we do uh, at least once a month. It's been a little more often around Easter recently, but this is a reminder of the gospel, right? When we come to the Lord's table, Jesus has built this into the rhythms of our life that we, we go back to the gospel and remind, we're reminded that his body was broken for us, his blood was shed for us, and that's where we find life. And so my encouragement to you in these moments is to remember the gospel, remember Christ, maybe even ask uh, God, even as I told, kind of encouraged, God, would you, during this, this journey through Colossians, would you root me again in Colossians? Would you root me in the truth of the gospel? Would you root me in Christ? Would you help me understand that the one who broke, his body was broken and blood was shed for me, that he is everything? Maybe take some time just to invite God to do that in your heart during these moments. I'm going to give you some time. I'm going to pray, and then I'm going to give you some time just to reflect and pray. And, and maybe, maybe you already are aware, like, God, I know that there's so many other things that are shaping me. You may want to take some time just to confess that this morning. God, I, I know that I'm really not being formed by the Scriptures. Take a moment today to confess that. Uh, God would graciously forgive. He's a God of grace, right, from first to last. So would you... Uh, um, well, let me say a couple other things before. If, if you didn't grab these, uh, they're out on the table, so make sure you, you go out there and, and grab those. If you're joining us from home, uh, whatever uh, food and drink you have would be great. We invite everyone who is a, a believer in Jesus to join us. Uh, doesn't matter if this is your first Sunday with us. If you're a believer in Jesus, we'd love to have you join with us. In a moment, I'm going to read some scripture, and we'll eat together, and then uh, we'll take the juice, and I'll read some scripture, and we will drink together as well. If you're here as a, someone who's kind of trying to figure out who Jesus is, you haven't yet come to faith in Christ, uh, we love that you're here. We're glad that you're here. We would ask that you just take this time to reflect and think about what we've talked about this morning. And we hope that you'll keep coming through the course of the summer. I think a journey through Colossians will be, if you're trying to figure out who Jesus is, a study in Colossians will be amazing. So we hope that you will continue to join us in the weeks to come. So would you pray with me? Father, in these moments now, we... we uh, in these quiet moments, we want to just um, allow you to speak to our hearts. God, what is shaping us? Is it the truth of the gospel? Is it scripture? Is it Christ? Or is it something else? God, we confess that we want it to be Christ. In these moments, if there's ways where we are not allowing it to be Christ, would you show us? Would you reveal us? What, what's in our hearts. And so, Father, we take some time now to, to just talk to you and allow you to search our hearts.
the Lord Jesus, in the night in which he was betrayed, he took bread, and when he had given thanks, he broke it and said, this is my body, which is broken for you. Do this in remembrance of me. In the same way, he took the cup also after supper, saying, This cup is a new covenant in my blood. Do this as often as you drink it in remembrance of me. Father, we are grateful for this remembrance today of Jesus' sacrifice for us. That's the heart of the gospel. Father, as we... Uh, journey through Colossians this summer. God, we invite you to make sure to help us be firmly rooted in Christ. We would continue to walk in Christ. We would allow uh, Christ, we'd allow the gospel, scriptures, to be the thing that forms us. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.